Hello and welcome to the EdSurge On Air podcast. I'm Sydney Johnson. Online courses have been touted as a way to increase access to education, especially for students who are working, have family obligations, or for any other reason can't show up on campus full-time to get a degree. But the quality of online courses still varies drastically, and research has shown that racial disparities in digital learning outcomes exists. So as more and more institutions are offering digital courses these days, it's increasingly unclear if online learning is really living up to its promise for students. All of this has left us asking, who does online education really serve? To help answer that question, we recently brought two online learning experts to EdSurge Live, a monthly video-based town hall event, to talk about their work and research in digital education and what's needed to better serve students in the online space. Our guests were Michelle Pekansky-Brock, faculty mentor at the California Community College's Online Education Initiative in At One, and Dee Shu, an assistant professor at UC Irvine School of Education. We'll hear from them right after this. This episode of the Ed Surge On Air podcast is brought to you by the Ed Surge Fusion Conference. Ed Surge has spent seven years reporting on the education technology space, and we are channeling our learnings into one national conference, Ed Surge Fusion. Join us in October as we convene the best and brightest education leaders in the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area. Visit fusion.edsurge.com to register. So thanks both Michelle and Dee for joining us today. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. It's a great pleasure. Let's dive right into this. Um, And Dee, I'd love to start off with referencing some of the research that Uh, you've done in this space, and in particular, your research around how distance learning students need additional support. So maybe can you explain some of those findings from your research around where online learning so far has fallen short for serving students? Absolutely. So um, my previous research, I focused on distance learning in the particular setting of community colleges. So for many of you probably are already known that the online expansion is happening everywhere, but it's particularly pronounced um, in community colleges because community colleges, they enroll a large number of adult learners. So many of these folks, they need to balance their um, working commitment, family commitment with their schoolwork. So distance learning seems to be a very promising strategy to provide the flexibility that traditional face-to-face classrooms are not able to offer. So I I used to work at the Community College Research Center at uh, Columbia University as a team. We try to understand who are enrolling in these courses and what is the course performance of these online takers versus face-to-face, similar face-to-face takers. Overall, what we found is, um, as we expected, online course takers tend to be older students. They tend to be holding um, a job while enrolled in school. Uh, But in the meanwhile, we also identified a huge performance gap between online sections of a course versus a face-to-face sections of a course. So you might um, ask the question, maybe the type of students who enrolled in online courses, they might be very different from the face-to-face students. But in our, we tried a different, different ways of the research designs. And even after we control for a student previous academic performance, their motivation, all the measures that we could control for, there is still a very robust performance gap between online versus face-to-face courses. And more importantly, this 
online performance decrement is even more pronounced with among certain groups of students. This would be um, African-American students, uh, students from lower income families, and students who struggled academically, meaning students um, who tend to be academically underprepared prior to college enrollment. We try to answer the question, why this is happening, right? So we did a follow-up study. We did a qualitative study interviewing both online instructors and students enrolled in online courses to understand why this is happening, why students are withdrawing from online courses in a massive way, and why students struggle in terms of their performance. And it seems that there are a number of great challenges associated with the distance learning. So students complain that they don't see their instructors. I mean, many of the online courses currently offered at community colleges, it is simply PowerPoints, like it's still the traditional format. Um, instead of making the best use of the technology, it's a bunch of um, slides for students to view and students don't see and interact with their instructor and other peers that much. So they feel lonely and they felt that the instructors do not care about their academic progress. So whenever they encounter any hurdles or obstacles in their academic life, they just uh, seek out um, the easy option that is to withdraw from the course. So both of you have been looking at these trends and equity gaps for several years now. And I'm curious, how have you seen them change or evolve? Uh, this is a great question. So when, when I conduct this study, we compared students across cohorts between 2004 and 2014. So this is actually a 10-year span of time. And we found very consistent performance gaps over time. But between now, between uh, 2014 and now, I, I, I feel uh, many things are changing. Like people start to realize that we need to provide more support to online instructors. We need to provide more uh, support to the students. And uh, so I would love to do more research to see uh, in the more, most recent years, does this start to change or is the performance gap still being observed? I think that's a great segue into the work you've done, Michelle. So how, how are you kind of approaching these gaps with the faculty that you work with? And how is the whole California Community College system addressing these challenges that they're aware of? I always have a hard time knowing where to dive in with these really big questions. But I guess this, the context I want to set is that I really come at this through the lens of a teacher. That is where I started. I started teaching online back in 2003, and I learned a tremendous amount from it. Currently, I'm in a role with the California Community College system, so I work at the system level. And online courses have played a huge role in our system for a very, very long time. Um, and it is where we have seen our enrollment growth over the past several years that has not been in our face-to-face. -face. It has been in our online courses. And um, we've seen a real shift also from who's taking classes. It was just a few years ago that the average online student in the California Community College system went from being a white student to a Hispanic student. Mm -hmm. And so that's a really significant shift also. And we do have equity gaps. All of those equity gaps have been improving year over year, but they're still significant, particularly between 
um, that our Asian students and our um, Black and African American students, that's the largest gap, and it's nearly, it's about 19% right now of a, of a gap. So we're very concerned about that. And uh, what we're doing is a few things. First of all, in our system, we have now 115 community colleges and students never had the ability to take classes, online classes at different colleges. And so we have an effort in place now, the Online Education Initiative, which um, is expanding access to high quality online courses to students from anywhere in the state. And so that's an effort that, that my team, the Online Network of Educators supports. And so we provide professional development for faculty who are part of OEI, uh, but we also provide professional development to the entire state. And we do that through a multitude of ways. Everything we do is very flexible and very low cost or, or free. It's all online. Um, and I think a, a couple of the things I would really stress is that we really, really believe in the importance of immersing faculty in a high quality, high touch online learning experience for them to understand how it can feel through the student lens in that type of, type of learning environment. Um, and so that's, that's really a very important part of what we do. We offer online courses, uh, online, facilitated online courses that are taught by our own faculty and staff in the system. But all of this is anchored in course design and online teaching, not one or the other. And I think that's an important part of this conversation is, you know, what those two things are and why they're both important. Oftentimes we have a real focus on course design. I think course design tends to be a little bit easier to measure and to qualify. And the teaching side of it um, is so critical going back to what uh, Dee shared just a little while ago, that sense of students wanting to feel like someone cares about them. And we're talking about underserved students who question their ability, who don't feel like they belong in an academic setting. Um, nearly half of our students are first generation students. And so that, those, that social emotional part that comes into the online learning environment is something, something that instructors really need to know how to nurture. And so mm -hmm. we, we do a big um, push for humanizing online teaching and learning and looking at it through a lens of uh, culturally responsive teaching. Michelle, of course, a lot of your research has been around uh, how to make online education more humanistic. And, and you're helping a lot of instructors work to do that in California. What does that look like? And why is that so crucial to ensuring that the online setting is serving students? Yeah, so it's interesting. We have a course um, that we offer through At One. Um, if you see references in the chat to At One, that's the team that I work with, and the ONE stands for Online Network of Educators. And so the course that we offer is called Humanizing Online Teaching and Learning. And again, it's only one of the, the many, many courses that we offer that focus on online teaching, and then we also have our course design series. Um, but interestingly, it's actually very much based upon the work that Dee has been discussing. We have her, her work uh, cited in the foundation of the course, and we, we really get, get, get our faculty to think about, you know, the student experience. Who are we serving, and why is it so important to have this, this sense of caring or connection, sense of belonging in your class? And what we find is, um, you know, that faculty are, their self-efficacy for using things like video is very low. And um, oftentimes still when faculty think about using video, they naturally gravitate to thinking about online, you know, one hour long online videos. So we want to shatter that. 
and really create a safe place for them to experiment. Um, and so we show them lots of examples about how different faculty are using things like video in their course, but we also in our courses, you know, really um, convey the importance of using very clear, um, accessible language to students and not using deficit language like don't do this and you can't do that, but really kind of shifting the way that you, you communicate with your students so it is more inclusive and all of those things are very important. I'm sure for instructors who don't use social media, aren't used to being behind a camera or making videos, that even some of these ways of interacting with students could seem like a big deal. So how do you begin to approach that with faculty and, and kind of giving that sense of empowerment for the first time? Yeah, no, that's a really big question because the same is true for our students. So that mm -hmm. is the first place we start is that, you know, you're feeling this way and your students are going to feel that probably like even more so. So I think showing videos that aren't perfect, first of all, is very important and it doesn't matter what they record. In fact, we tell them, introduce us to your dog. You know, it doesn't have to, it, you don't even have to be on the video that first time. We're just trying to warm them up to using the technology. Um, and we do, we get a lot of dog introductions <laughs> or tours of backyards, those sorts of things. And that's a great place to start. I think that when you're, anytime you're introducing an, a faculty member or a student to a new tool, you don't want there to be like a high stake assessment wrapped up in that. It's about, you know, have them, the content should be something that they know well and they feel really good about. So they're not actually worried about, you know, being graded on something in that way. So keeping it very low stake and also being part of it, having a, a faculty and an instructor who's, who's participating also and modeling what you're doing um, is very important. So, of course, we've been discussing a lot about how online learning is or isn't serving students. But since we've been talking about this course for instructors, how do you think we're serving instructors when it comes to online learning? Or, or what's your outlook on the professional development landscape when it comes to online learning right now? I think you'll find a huge variation in responses to that. Um, I think that, again, there'll be a lot of variation, but I also think that we need to go a little bit bigger in looking at how institutions are approaching online classes and this sense that online is less than face-to-face -face plays out in so many different ways across institutions and depending on, on your institution, it's going to change. But, you know, there was a, a great article that was written by Sean Michael Morris last April um, and he was talking about, I can't remember, if it was one of his kids is, is taking an online class and the institution said the class is being offered online because the instructor doesn't have time to teach it. So starting off with valuing online in that way is very problematic. And so it also becomes problematic because then it's not supported if it's not viewed as equally as important. So I think that this online face-to-face uh, -face dichotomy is, is very problematic across the board. And if we could start by thinking about classroom instruction and online instruction as two unique and different modalities, that would be a shift in the right direction and lead to also improvements with supporting faculty. 
Now, I know distance learning is sometimes attractive to colleges that are looking for new revenue streams and want to recruit online students for more sources of, of tuition. And do you've done a bit of research around that as well. Is that, is that why most colleges are turning to the medium or how attractive is that revenue component for institutions? Right, that is a great question. So we had the same question we started um, the distance learning project. Our assumption is the primary reason for institutions to offer online courses is to collect uh, additional sources for revenue for the institution. However, when we interview the college administrators, it seems that uh, attracting additional source of revenue is not the primary reason. Whenever we ask them why you are expanding online course offering, they always mention the biggest reason is student demand. So there are many students, especially in community colleges, they are adult learners and they need the online course uh, in order to, you know, actually get enrolled and keep in progress. Otherwise, they probably won't be able to take the course within one quarter. And another reason is um, when there is an increasing demand um, for higher education, especially in lower division introductory courses, colleges often are facing challenges of um, hosting all the students uh, during the first term. Uh, these are high stake courses, and if students don't enroll in these courses um, at the right time, it will delay the whole sequence um, for their college career. So I would say um, the flexibility of schedule and addressing the limited space would be the top two reasons for institutions to offer, offer online courses. It's not the financial perspective or the additional avenue, revenue that we have been thinking. We have a guest question right now from Michael Greer. Michael, thanks for raising your hand. Hi, hi everyone. I'm, I'm loving this conversation. I'm out here doing fist bumps um, in Colorado, <laughs> but I kind of want to come back to a theme and bring um, a conversation that we've had over in the chat into the main conversation. And it goes back to a point that um, I think Michelle made, I'm looking back at my notes, faculty need to be immersed mm -hmm. in a high touch learning experience so they can feel the experience from a student point of view. I think that's so important. And I think in many ways, your program is leading the way in that. Can you talk a little bit more about how you do that and what you see as the result of faculty actually being in the student's perspective? Yeah, and it's something that I would love to have us do some research on. I think we have an amazing case study with the professional development we're doing. So nudge, nudge, D, let's get together and talk. Um, but I, I think that just to talk a little bit more about it, we, so we have courses that faculty can take a la carte. They're all online courses, and then they can also take them as part of a certificate program. Um, and the certificates we offer are fundamentals in online course design and um, principles in quality online teaching. And I know my colleague, Lene Whitley-Putz, is in the audience. So, Lene, if you want to put the link to our site, um, if anyone wants to check it out, that's a great way to learn more. Uh, but we see a lot of transformation is what we see. And that word, it, it's so transformative for so many faculty members. I was just speaking with one um, or, or late last week on Friday. 
and she's about to earn her certificate in quality online teaching principles. And she said, I would never have thought I would be on the soapbox, you know, talking about how much more dynamic my online classes are or can be than my face to face. And so seeing those complete mind shifts um, is, is really huge. And it, it comes in through, you know, all different angles. I mean, people step into our programs from all different ways. Um, I have been very involved with the humanizing course. And prior to my role at, um, in the, the community college system, I, I taught a similar course for CSU Channel Islands. Shout out Michael Berman, who's in the audience, and Fit Studio, if you guys are watching. Uh, but there, when we, start, when we had faculty in that course, they were coming in, you know, from not teaching online ever. And so we have that experience and we also have faculty who've taught online for a long time. But when you have someone new to online teaching, and I think when you start with humanizing, it can be really, especially empowering, and I'm probably very biased on this, but, you know, we see faculty with concerns about how can I relate to my students. That tends to be a fundamental concern. And so I think dealing with that one first can be really important. It can be a really powerful place to start. And we have, you know, our courses are all facilitated by faculty and staff from our system. And we do a co-design effort with them also. And so that's, that's really important. Uh, we really are the online network of educators. So they're learning with their peers. And I will also just add one more thing. We still do far too much in-person faculty development to help faculty learn how to teach online or prepare how to teach online. You, you can't learn how to teach online in a face-to-face -face workshop. That's something that I fundamentally um, believe. Thank you so much, Michael. It's a great question. We have another guest question from Jin Jing and they're coming up in just a second. Okay, so in our institute, we're really pushing towards scalability to reach more uh, students for online education, but I kind of feel we have a tension between scalability and what we're talking about here, which is humanization of online courses and building a high-touch learning experience. Um, so I wonder what California community colleges have done to sort of, like what they do there to solve this tension or if there's any solution. Yeah, scalability is often, um when I talk about humanizing, it often comes up. And I think that what I will just say is that it, it does place the faculty student relationship at the center. And what, you know, when we look at what, what is it that shapes student success, that's, that's not something that we can scale. Um, I think that there are certain ways that we can do that, but we don't want to remove that interaction. And so, you know, I, I have had faculty members with much larger courses and they go down the road of humanizing and get very excited, but it, it is, the more students you have, the more time consuming it is. The policies are really held at our local college level. So different colleges have different policies about how they're structuring things like class size. But for the most case, um, the conversations try to focus on keeping online class sizes the same as face-to-face -face class sizes. And then it, it becomes a matter of hiring more teachers. 
can I weigh in a little bit as well? Like I, I fully agree with Michelle um, about like if, when, if you really want to guarantee the quality of online learning, there are certain characteristics that you, you definitely need to take into account. Like even when we are designing the face-to-face -face course, you know, there has been a long line of research indicating that the class size matter, right? The ratio of the instructor and the student matter. Why? Because it gives the instructor the time uh, and energy to respond to every student has the opportunity to interact with their students. The same principle basically holds true in online learning. We often put too much emphasis on the scalability of distance learning while at a cost of thinking about how to best serve the students in terms of quality. Uh, so when I was talking with the students, um, some of the things that they really appreciate from online instructor it's the same as face-to-face, -face, right? They want instructors to respond to their questions in a personal way, in a timely manner, right? If they can get their answer, their question answered within 24 hours, they feel uh, they, are, they are really on track and the instructor really care about their progress. And when they um, submit a homework, they really want to have personalized feedback right, on my work rather than simply a check mark that I have read uh, your work. So the same principles hold in face-to-face -face learning, and I would say they hold for the online course as well. Uh, scalability, uh, right, the online learning has the potential to provide um, certain types of education in a scalable way. But however, I think when it comes to college education, those high state courses that are critical in terms of students' academic trajectory, especially uh, lower division courses, when students first come to campus, I feel the high touch is critical. And the interaction between the instructor and the student is critical. Well, we are just about out of time. So Michelle and Dee, what is the one line of advice that you would give instructors about how they can better serve students? Be yourself. Be real. Don't be afraid to just be yourself. Um, you don't have to be perfect online. I, okay, this isn't just one line, but <laughs> other than be yourself, okay. I would say just... <laughs> Know your students are. Make an effort to understand what they're going through at the very start of your class because they're more than just words on a screen. Every single student has a story. And so when someone turns something in late and our first tendency might be to just go to our late policy and apply that, there could be something you know, tragic affecting that student's situation. And by you know, turning, giving someone an F on assignment could cause that one student to drop out. So know who your students are and what they're, what they're going through and have empathy when you teach. Yeah, I, my one line thing would be very similar to what Michelle mentioned to say, clarify your expectations of the students in an online learning class at the very beginning and try to try to actively reach out to your students and get connected with them. Great. Dee and Michelle, thank you both so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you, and thank, thank you for you. moderating it. This podcast was edited by me, Sydney Johnson. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter, follow us on Twitter, your favorite podcast app, or wherever else you like to get your news. And tune in next week for more on the future of education.